probably get your nutrition and fueling down for, you know, I guess for any marathon, but I, I think Boston is such a different course because you need that fueling for that second, not even the second half, the last quarter of the race is, um, I mean, people have said Boston really doesn't start until mile 20. I mean, and they say that about marathons in general, but right. it, like that's, that's where it is, you know, coming up off the hills um, in Newton. That's, that's where you need all of it. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury-free or get out of the constant injury cycle, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Hey, healthy runners, have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself, that is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library, and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted healthy runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is 
getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today. Hey, 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 what's going on, guys? How are you? It is the 121st episode on the Healthy Runner Podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. And today, I have the pleasure of sharing the 126th running of the Boston Marathon recap with two of my friends in today's episode. Shauna Miller of Stiletto Running and our very own Healthy Runner, Coach Lou, will share their 2022 Boston Marathon experience with all of you. So Shauna, thank you so much for coming back on the show to share your story. Thanks for having me again. It's good to see you. And Coach Lou, as always, it's always nice to see you. And thanks again for coming back on. He's got, uh, for those uh, not watching the video version right now, uh, Coach Lou is shaking his Spike mascot uh, unicorn doll that he got from the Boston Marathon. Now, is that is that something they do every single year? Or was that just like a 2022 special? Every year you have it in the expo. All right, every year in the expo. All right, guys, so today I wanna know, do you wanna run the Boston Marathon one day? Or do you have dreams, aspirations to run the Boston Marathon? I know I do, I might be 90 years old by the time I do, but. I do have dreams and aspirations. Um, or do you want to just learn a little bit more about this iconic race and chasing the unicorn phenomena that you see out there on social media? And in this episode, really what you won't get or hear us talk about is how like CJ Albertson went out with guns ablazing again, aggressive for a second Boston marathon in a row, or how my, Molly uh, Seidel dropped out due to an I- injury that she's been battling. We are actually not going to cover um, the professional runner circuit um, that happened in Boston because that's been done before. You can listen to that anywhere. Um, and if you're listening to this video or this podcast, most likely you're not a professional runner anyway. So you are an everyday runner and you either just got a BQ yourself and you're finding this uh, episode or you're striving for a BQ and you're out there just like hitting the pavement and you know, you're looking to maybe run the Boston Marathon one day. Um, maybe you're doing it, you didn't get a BQ, but you're doing it for an amazing cause, right? That you hold near and dear to your heart and you're raising some amazing money um, and you're like, accomplishing the Boston Marathon. Um, So that in of itself is a huge, huge accomplishment. So what we're going to be covering is really the Boston Marathon from folks like you and me. Um, And that's what Shauna and Coach Lou is going to share with you, like their stories, their journey, how they got to this point in their running journey. And then, you know, what is some of the reflective thoughts that they had after this iconic race? And, um, For those of you who are wondering who Shauna Miller is, um, we had a great, great episode um, with Shauna in episode 90, in which we really got into, 
you know, her backstory on, you know, how she got into running, um, how she became the mom boss behind the popular brand uh, Stiletto Running, uh, which has some amazing running clothes for women with style. And she really kind of got in depth into some of her backstory and some of her history as a runner. So I would highly recommend you check out that episode. Um, it's in the show notes. It's episode 90 on the Healthy Runner podcast to kind of get uh, some of Shauna's really in-depth backstory. But Shauna, for our listeners, if you don't mind just doing a little dynamic warm up here and give kind of the, the quick pitch of who you are, uh, where you reside, and uh, you know why you did uh, run the Boston Marathon this year. Um, so I'm Shauna Miller. Um, I live in Middlebury, Connecticut, and I'm originally from the Boston area. Um, I've been running for, this is my 11th year running, and Boston was my 10th marathon and my third Boston marathon. Um, this Boston marathon meant the most to me because this time I qualified. Um, the other two, I ran in the charity wave on an invitational bib. I had family members that were a sponsor um, at the time when I ran 2015 and 2016. And um, I started my Stiletto Running Apparel uh, six years ago, six years ago. Um, yeah, so um, a mom to two, I almost said two teenagers, but my oldest just turned 20 this weekend. Whoa, whoa, happy birthday. Thank you. I forget that I'm old enough to have a 20 year old because sometimes I still think I'm 30. So <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, um, between a husband and the kids and running in the business, um, I'm running around sometimes with the, my head cut off. <laughs> yes. No, you're definitely juggling it and you're doing it quite well, I must say. And, and I, I believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that your running journey really, it's not like you've been running for 20 or 30 years, right? How, when did you start running again? 2011. So this June is the 11th year that I ran my first race, really. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we started running actually the same year. Um, that's when I started running as um, well. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so just kind of put some context to the story here. Shauna kind of started running later in life. Um, she ran 10 marathons. She ran three Boston. So this was the first one that she had qualified for um, kind of leading up there. And then Coach Lou, if you don't mind giving us your brief background, I know you've been on the podcast many times before um, with the latest um, being episode one, uh, one fifteen. There we go. Episode one fifteen, as well as episode ninety five, in which Coach Lou really shared kind of a deep dive on the Boston Marathon and kind of preparation and some great tips on how to actually execute the course itself. Um, so if you guys are listening to this, then you'll definitely want to check out episode 95 on the Healthy Runner podcast um, what, in which Coach Lou got into that. But Coach Lou, just give us kind of your brief, really rundown of kind of your running journey again, please. Okay, so I start actually even later. I start my first race 2017 and I run one marathon per year, a few more this year, but this is my second Boston Marathon. The first one is last year in fall only six months apart and six marathon overall. I'm, 
I'm a personal trainer. I'm a run coach and a scientist too. Um, yeah, so I, I just like running the community. I like the running community. I, I'm one of the coach in this in the Healthy Runner group. Yes, and he's doing an amazing job uh, coaching some athletes. And so, okay, so to put it in perspective, Lou, you've only really been running five years, which is pretty amazing uh, what you've accomplished in five years. Um, so Sean has been running 11. Lou's been running five. Um, Sean has 10 marathons. Um, Lou has six, right? Is that what you said, Lou? Yes. Six yes. marathons. Okay. So just giving you guys some context, again, you might be in a similar situation, um, to Lou and Shauna. And I'm sure as we go along, um, a lot of their kind of reflective thoughts might be helpful for you. If you are running Boston, um, in the near future or perhaps five years from now or 10 years from now. So some things that may help you, uh, you know, on your running journey, as you, uh, work your way, um, hopefully to the uh, streets of Boston and all of those hills there. Um, so yeah, let's uh, get into kind of previous Boston marathon experience. Um, so we'll go kind of ladies first. Uh, so Shauna, you mentioned you've done two Bostons before this one. Um, so you did those for kind of charity, right? Um, and you raised some great money. Um, can you just share a little bit about kind of like in, you know, how did those races go in your mind um, from maybe like a running standpoint? And then, um, yeah, what was like your take home, you know, messages for those races? And if you want to share times that you ran for those races, um, feel free to do that as well. So, um, 2015 was my first Boston and it was also my third marathon. I think. Okay. Third. third, I think it was my third marathon. Um, and the people will say it can take, I know people that have done 30 marathons and they're still learning. The marathon is that kind of distance that I think you learn with every single one. Um, and even though it was my third and I thought I was experienced having already run two, that was far from the case, <laughs> um, especially going into the, the Boston marathon course, um, and growing up around there and spectating for many years, I thought I knew what to expect. Um, it's quite the course, <laughs> um, the downhill for the first 15 and a half miles definitely takes a toll on your legs and I was not prepared for that for that first time um and I had mentioned this on our previous podcast I my training was same pace all the time just putting in the miles so I had never incorporated any speed work or tempo marathon pace runs or anything like that it was just for me the goal was finishing really um and 2015, the rain, uh, the rain, the weather was 45 degrees and pouring rain. So it was freezing. Wow. It was not, uh, not a good day <laughs> weather-wise. Um, I do tend to do well when it's cold. So although I couldn't feel my hands, I, at the time, had a good race. And I felt really good, really, the whole time, other than my frozen hands and needing volunteers to open up my, my fuel for me. Um, right. And like I said, it was my first Boston. 
I'm from Boston. So everything about it was amazing. Um, right. The following year I went back. For Wait, hold on. Years. So for that first experience, did you cramp up at all or like, did no. you finish? Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I finished. Um, I think, I think my time was a four thirty one, and my PR was a four twenty eight. So I was happy. That's was really good. Insane. Considering the weather and the course, that's really yeah. good. Same time that I had been running. Um, and you know, I knew how hard the course was going to be. So I had no expectations really. Mm -hmm. time. Um, but then I went back in 2016 and I had hoped to do better, but same thing. I wasn't training any differently. So looking back now, I think obviously I couldn't do better. I wasn't training any differently. Um, but 2016 was 80 degrees and it was a walk fest from literally mile 14 to the finish. Like I, my only goal was at that point to just get to the finish line. Um, super hot, super dehydrated. And to this day, my slowest marathon to date, I, I don't even remember. I, I think it was like a five or a four fifty five or something. Honestly, I think I wiped that <laughs> marathon out of my brain. Um, it was one of the hardest days, um, behind Chicago that I ran in October. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Where you got I, like chased by bees and stung by bees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> was, you know, throwing everything up at mile 19 in Chicago. And I mean, crazy enough, my time was still okay. Um, yeah, but, that was super humid, right? That day? Yeah. yeah. Like 70 when oh. I started, when I finished and the humidity was high and it just, but between that and Boston 2016, those were two of my hardest, most miserable races. So yeah, okay. it was interesting between 15 and 16, how the cold weather, and even though it was pouring rain, I was smiling. I was happy. <laughs> right, <laughs> or, right. Horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not heat and humidity definitely is like the worst thing for a marathon um, by far. Uh, yeah. And Coach Lou, what was your first uh, experience? So that was in 2021, the only year, hopefully at the time of this recording, someone listens to this in 10 years from now, it will be the only year ever <laughs> that it's run in uh, October or in the fall. Um, so you ran it in the fall in 2021 after yeah. it was rescheduled. And how was your experience? That was awesome. Actually, it was, um, I was lucky because I signed up for the virtual and then they released more um they have more spots so i was able to get in that's right i forgot about that that like you technically yeah. weren't going to be doing the marathon yeah, and then yeah. you wound up getting okay cool that's right i forgot that story yeah and i'm on the other side of the spectrum shana i i like heat i don't like i don't love that but then compared with freezing cold i like i, I can bear with it especially for four race you are suffering in summer then suddenly in fall you get colder and that's just so good so i ran boston and and i i got a pr and almost three minutes pr two minutes and a half and i broke three minutes uh three hours in that boston and and i was super happy and i i was totally enjoy the race and i pushed really hard when 
after the, everyone hit the rolling hills in Newton, but afterwards, after the hills, I picked up the pace and uh, dashed through the end. I was thinking of the healthy runner group and the support. So that, that really helped me push through. Yeah, so you had like, a, I would say is not your typical um, first Boston Marathon experience, I think, at least from stories I've heard of others. Um, it sounds like you had like a magical, really magical day um, in getting a, you know, marathon PR on such a hard course, getting sub three. Um, so just if anyone's listening to this after their first and they're like, hey, I didn't do that. Like, what's wrong with me? Um, you know, I would say those results are typical of most people who, you know, tackle the Boston Marathon for the first time. Um so yeah, let's get to kind of this training block. Um, Shauna, you know, how did your training go? Like we all know, you know, you both live in Connecticut. So anyone who is in a cold weather uh, city or, you know, residence, um, it is freaking hard to train in January, February. Like it's cold. We got snow, we got sleet, we got freezing rain, we got ice, we got, you know, all these things that happen. You know, how did this training block go for you, Shauna? Um, so, well, it started well until I got COVID the second week of January. That's right. So, yeah. So I started my training really like end of December and then within a few weeks got COVID. Um, and I was pretty sick for like three weeks. So I didn't run at all for three weeks. And then I did start running, um, and was back to running for like another two weeks, but really short, easy runs. I mean, I was doing like three or four days, three miles. So like I was only doing 12 miles a week for a couple of weeks after that. So I really missed five weeks of this training cycle. Um, and even when I did start running after those five weeks, like really picking up the miles and starting to incorporate my speed work, it still took another like two or three weeks to really kind of start feeling like myself. So I kind of feel like I only had like a six or seven week training, good training block for this. Um, and then ended up like the last few weeks really back where I was when I had trained for Chicago in the fall. So I felt good and I felt strong and I felt ready. Um, and I think if it was any other marathon other than Boston, I really truly think I was ready for an, a PR. Um, but 50, 55 degrees is on the warmer side for me. And I felt great up until maybe 19 or so. And the dehydration started setting in. Um, okay, wait, hold on. Before we get to the actual race, I, I yeah. want to ease this a little bit. I want you to give away all the goods here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the training. So I think that training in the winter and you were saying you know we had definitely a doozy of a winter with really cold temperatures we had i think more ice and sleep than snow accumulation yeah um, i agree yeah so that made it harder because i did have more treadmill runs than i normally would during i mean i never train on a treadmill except in those conditions so i did have a handful of uh treadmill runs and I like running in the cold. So going from the cold to even 50 degrees is, you know, a little bit too yeah. warm for me, but um, yeah. So, I, you know, the training block had I not gotten COVID in January, um, 
I think it would have been even better, but I still felt like it was for what it was. I still felt like it was a good solid training block. Yeah. And I'm just so happy that you were able to bounce back from that. Cause I remember actually you and I grabbing coffee and tea, uh, right after that, um, you know, when yeah. you weren't running for a couple of weeks and yeah, I was worried for you to be able to, you know, build up and like, I'm just so happy that you felt strong toward the end and that your fitness was at where you were training for Chicago in the fall. So that's great that you were able to kind of, you know, your body was able to kind of get back into the swing of things and respond um, to the training. Um, and I think probably for this year, for 2022, from what I hear, it was probably really the humidity, right? That was, cause that was, I think about 70%, um, you know, that, that wound up getting, you know, the heat, the 55 degrees or 58 degrees felt hotter because there was some humidity in the air um, from at least some of the runners that I've heard um, from. So I'm sure that definitely um, was a huge change to the system because we haven't had, we've had literally zero humidity, <laughs> right? Uh, here in Connecticut, you know, during all of your training. Um, and Coach Lou, would it, how did your training block go uh, this winter? This is my first time training in winter and it's so hard. Well, I do, I do keep training, keep running in winter before, but speed work in the cold air, just crazy because the lung doesn't like cold and dry air. And it just, it hurts, it hurts. And I was struggling, but I luckily I have local friends and I actually ran with Shana once. So yeah, that the local friends really kept me going. <laughs> and I have some, local friends who run track work, track workout with me. And even though we are doing different track workouts, you know, someone's there. And I, I literally say, if, if I pass out, call 911. <laughs> it's just so hard. <laughs> I was struggling. I was struggling definitely. But then once it gets somewhat warmer and my fitness come back and I actually got a few PRs. So I was in a very good shape and towards Boston. Okay. But yeah, it was so hard. You, it was yeah, hard. you were set up. Yeah, you put the hard work in. It wasn't easy by any means, um, but you felt like going into the race, you were kind of set up for success. Your fitness was there. You got the training done, um, you know, despite it being very hard. Uh, you got it done. And then, you yeah, know, let's talk about like the taper crazies and Shauna, you know, for those that don't follow stiletto running on Instagram, you guys have to start following Shauna make some uh, amazing reels and she had some really funny ones uh, during taper time, taking like food out of the fridge. I was just like cracking up. I just love your reels. <laughs> um, yeah. How did, uh, you know, the taper crazies go for you? Um, how do you feel like you know, the week leading up to Boston, you know, was there like super nervous, excited? Do you like the taper and like not running or does it like really make you nervous not running as much? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love the taper because, you know, after a training block for a marathon, you're tired physically, mentally. Like, so I love that downtime, just sleeping a little bit more and kind of catching up on things that 
I wasn't able to catch up on because a 20 mile run takes up, you know, the whole day um, <laughs> between the run and all the eating you do and all the stretching and the rolling. And, and then you just want to sit and lay on the couch today. <laughs> so, you know, um, so I love, I love the taper for that aspect, but as the taper gets closer to race week and now you're in that race week mode, um, the excitement and the nerves take over. Like I, I'm like crazy cuckoo. <laughs> like I really, yeah, I get, I get race anxiety for any distance. You could tell me to go do a one mile like race and I would be just as nervous for a one mile race as I am for a marathon. doesn't matter. So um, yeah, but the excitement for Boston was like the most excited I think I've ever been more so for this one than for the other two that I ran. There was just, I think because it was so long in the making, my qualifying time was October of 2019. So I've been waiting for two and a half years for this race week <laughs> right so, yeah we yeah. didn't mention that earlier that's right yeah you yeah. qualified so, before the pandemic and then it was delayed so yeah this is like two and a half years in the making all that training and all that like anticipation yeah so um yeah so the taper was a little weird this time because the excitement was just over the top um and i couldn't wait for it to get here but i didn't want it to add either so it was kind of like that bittersweet taper. <laughs> and I, yeah. I really, I enjoy marathon training. So I, there, there's something about the training process that I really enjoy. So there's also that, like as much as I look forward to the taper and to run less and just get some more rest, um, I miss those long runs and the hard workouts. And I don't know, I really enjoy it. What do you, <laughs> what do you, no, that's definitely interesting because I, I don't know if everyone would say that, right? right? So what do you what do you think it is that you enjoy most about it? Um I don't know. I like the challenge. Like I like, you know, I I run with a coach or not with, but I'm trained by a coach and I get excited every week to see what she's putting on the calendar for me and you know, sometimes I look at it and I freak out and I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't know how she thinks I'm capable of doing this workout." But then I love to see if I can do it. And, you know, sometimes I can't and it's okay, but I love trying. And sometimes when I do do it and I'm, I'm able to hit the paces that are prescribed, it's like, I don't know, you feel like you're on top of the world. <laughs> right. I don't know. I kind of like an adrenaline junkie, which I'm so not an adrenaline, like, I don't know. I'm not um like a thrill seeker, <laughs> like the right. right. Is about like that's not for me so I guess maybe this is like my form of like adrenaline I, I don't know <laughs> um how about you coach Lou how uh was your taper and kind of leading into the race it's much needed taper because I was struggling with pull my tendon every once in a while get a, some minor injuries along the way and I just can't wait to rest it um and took some massage and take care of these issues. I wasn't, I don't feel too much anxiety, luckily, because I guess I have quite a few athletes working with me. So I was worrying about them more than myself. <laughs> um, yeah, and I didn't even feel it until the, like, the very last minute when I actually started running. 
then that's <laughs> I started worrying about myself. So I don't have that taper um, taper anxiety, but I do enjoy it because it's time to recover from those little injuries. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know many people I'm sure could relate to that one. Um, you know, just having some you know, aches and pains or niggles, uh, you know, those across the pond would call, um, you know, I think a lot of people have that and yeah, you were definitely busy. It probably was like a good thing, right. To have that distraction because the week before that was the Cheshire half marathon that you guys, uh, remember, or two weeks before, two weeks before, yeah. um, one week before, before, and you were coaching, you know, a bunch of our athletes for that, for the half marathon. And then you had athletes who were running, um, Boston, um, at the same time. So sometimes that could be a good distraction, right. Where you're not, yes. uh, you know, kind of really just focusing on yourself and like your race. Um, so you had some things to distract you, which was good. And yeah, I gotta give uh, a shout out to our, our friends here on the live, um, in our healthy runner community, a lot of your athletes are hopping on here. Francisco's here. Kristen's here. Um, Kristen says, yay, Shauna. And she says, what's that like looking at the coach's plan and freaking out, asking for a friend, LOL. <laughs> and Christy, what's going on? Christy's a newbie in our coaching program. She has no clue, but, uh, she says could possibly mean, um, so thanks for joining Christy. Um, we're excited to begin to work with you and we're looking forward to seeing you excel in your running goals. Um, Holly's also here. Uh, thanks for joining. Sandra's here. Coach Kat's here. Kathleen, what's going on? Brian's here. Don's here. Coach Whitney's here. Says, yay. Hi, friends. Uh, Don is here. Thanks for joining. Doug, what's going on? How are you? Um, and then the other Kristen, Kristen Green um, in our program is here as well. And Sue is here. Sue, thanks for joining in our program. So thank you guys for hopping here on the live. And then we got more people. You guys must be popular. Pam's here. Uh, she says, uh, congratulations, uh, Shauna and Lou. And Jean is here. What's going on, Jean? How are you guys doing? Wow, we got a lot of friends here on the live. <laughs> this is awesome. All right. So we're kind of talking about taper time. Um, you guys did, it sounds like really well with that, honestly. And then let's get into kind of, um, you know, first off, where did you guys stay? Did you guys stay overnight? How many nights did you stay before the race? Shauna, let's start with you. So I went into Boston on Friday morning-ish. Um, like I said, I'm from Boston, so I have all my family there. So I stayed at my sister's. She lives right in the city. Um, Perfect. And I there from Friday to Tuesday. <laughs> she couldn't get rid of me. Um, <laughs> uh, and my brother-in-law also ran. So right. okay. um, it was nice to, you know, be there together and do the whole Boston weekend extravaganza together. So yeah, that's awesome. It's like you had a teammate. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. He was only like an hour ahead of <laughs> Race. <laughs> <laughs> that's great though and then lou uh how many days in advance did you head up to boston i went there on saturday and then hang out i do have friends from this Spain running group a local running group mm -hmm. boston boston endurance nurse <laughs> so we are so i hang out with people there and after Monday, I spent one, one extra day hanging out with friends. 
Very nice. So you stayed with friends. You went up Saturday with the Ben running group. Um, awesome. All right. So you get up there extra days, right? Like that's kind of key. It seems like, right. You, you pretty much want to get there, experience the weekend, settle in. This isn't a race you like drive up the morning of certainly not the morning of, uh, but even the day before, right. That, that's kind of tough to kind of go up to Boston or fly into Boston on that Sunday, I would imagine. Time to take a real quick break. And before I say any more, I truly hope the message so far today has benefited you either from a running or health standpoint. Staying in line with that theme, I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you a brand new exciting partnership with Naboso, which is a company that is dedicated to redefining what's underneath your feet so you can feel more to move better as a runner. From a movement prep before your runs to foot recovery after those hard hard speed workouts, or long runs, Naboso's Texture Products lets your senses guide you and connects you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. Want to learn more on how you as a runner can activate, strengthen, and recover from running? Listen to episode 116 on this podcast to learn from Naboso founder, podiatrist, and human movement specialist, Dr. Emily Splickle herself. We had a value-packed episode learning how she took her conventional podiatric medical degree and combined it with years of experience and expertise in human movement and sensory science to found Naboso. Dr. Emily shared with us the importance of foot stability for runners. What is sensory stimulation? The benefits of toe spacers and barefoot training for running. There's so much value in this episode, so be sure to go back and queue up episode 116 on the Healthy Runner podcast to listen to during your next long run to learn more about Naboso. I personally have always battled a mild case of plantar fasciitis and have been using the Neuroball to get out those hard-to-reach trigger points in my deep foot muscles that foot rollers just frankly don't reach and get to. I have also been a big fan of the toe spacers for the past 10 years, but have yet to find a pair that is actually flexible as comfortable and that I can tolerate for hours to help realign my toes and stretch the small muscles in my foot. This has been clutch, honestly, for my claw toes that I have and helping my plantar fasciitis. I just love doing 10 minutes of elevation with my Naboso splay on after a long run. Naboso's recovery socks are like your traditional running compression socks, but they are the first ever that stimulate your nervous system and enhance movement with their patented textured surface on the inside of the sock. Matter of fact, as I'm reading this right now, I have on my Naboso splay toe spacers and I couldn't imagine my feet tolerating the hard half marathon training I am doing right now without some of these great products at Naboso. Learn more about how Naboso's texture products connect you to your exercises and your running by strengthening your feet and helping you recover from your runs. Since you're a part of our Healthy Runner community, you will get 20% off all of your orders. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order using the special link we have in our show notes. Go ahead and give Naboso a try and your feet will thank you for it. I know mine already have. Now let's get back into this episode. So let's get to the epic uh, Marathon Monday, Patriots Day. 
for those that don't know, it's a holiday in Boston area. I had no clue what Patriots Day was growing up in Long Island, New York. Um, but I learned uh, from friends running the Boston Marathon, as I've been here in Connecticut. Uh, so Patriots Day, Marathon Monday, pre-race, Shauna, take us through what that looked like for you. Um, so well, the nice thing about Boston or the bad thing about Boston is it's a later start. So unlike some marathons that have a 7am start, you know, you're not up at 4am, which is nice. You know, at least you can get kind of a normal night's sleep if you can sleep the night before a marathon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so my sister, uh, drove me over to the Boston commons where the runners get the buses to go out to Hopkinton. Um, so that made it nice and easy for me, not having to depend on public transportation. Um, and I nice. met with Kristen. Um, she's here. Nice. <laughs> and then another friend, my friend Katie. And so we were all in the same wave. So we were able to get on the same bus together and sit together on the bus and kind of helped ease the nerves a little bit, having some friends with me. Um, and then you have like, I think it's like a 50 minute ride on the bus out to Hopkinton. Um, and something that I noticed was different from the last two times I ran last time we got to the athletes village and we were sitting around, like we had a long time before the start. Um, this time we got dropped off and we waited in line for the porta potties and like within minutes they were calling our wave to get into the corral to start. So I was actually glad because that extra sitting around is kind of nerve wracking for me, but, um, right. so it was, you know, quicker. Um, I know Lou will have a different scenario with his October, what happened in October because they didn't have, um, the waiting around they mm -hmm. rolling start in October. So I'll be curious to see if what he liked better between each marathon. Um, yeah. And then, we were in the corrals and I mean, kind of just went off pretty quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So do you, do you warm up at all? Do you ever warm up before a marathon? Um, I do some dynamic, you know, just like leg swings and like some skips and stuff like, but I don't like before a half marathon, I'll go and run for like 10, 15 minutes before, but with a marathon, I use those first couple of miles and generally try to start slow for the first couple of miles. Now, speaking from the point of view of someone who's never run a huge marathon like this, is that done in the corral or do you have to do that before you go into your corral? Before you go into the okay. corral. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I actually did them in my sister's apartment because I knew like once I got to the village and, you know, wanted to hit porta potty a couple of times and everybody around like and I knew I'd run into people I knew and I was like I'm never going to get it done there so I was like you know right. I'm just going to do my little 10 minute <laughs> okay. dynamic up in the apartment so and then what was your pre-run uh, fuel like did you bring stuff with you do you have it in the village or on the bus how's that both. work out yeah so both because my start time was 10 50 so you know I was up at 6 45 so basically I had two meals before I started. Um, I woke up and had an English muffin and a banana and then, um, and hydration, salt, electrolytes. And then, um, on the bus, I ate a bagel and another banana and kept sipping my electrolyte drink. 
um, and sips of water. So yeah, I was all carved up. <laughs> all right. Awesome. You were getting in that nutrition. Um, and then coach Lou. Yeah. How about, um, how about you? What did you, what did your pre-race uh, marathon Monday look like? So I actually pre-cup load the night before and a few days before and then Monday, because yeah, there's so many hours before you actually, um, before breakfast and so between breakfast and you actually start, I can have a full breakfast with it's bagel and bread, just carbs. And I brought you can with me, you can bar with me, and it turns out to be good. And I brought e gels with me. And in the corral, yes. Last year with Rolling Star, you go there, you don't go to um, Athletes Village, you just go directly to the start line and you can start whenever you want. And I love okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> this year, Athletes Village, I was chatting with friends that I met virtually say, oh, that's me at Athletes Village. But then I go, when there is crazy, it's packed. It's, it's like the farmer's market. The party party line is like 20 minutes. It's just insane. Oh but but yeah, I mean, fortunately, I, I mean, wave one, so I go start early and I, once you get in, there's still, once you, so from athletic village to the start area, there's still like 0.6 miles. So I get into that, when I exit the, the village, then you go near the corral before you actually start. Well, before you actually go into the corral, there's a, a few porta potties there and there's a lot less line. So I did there and I jog near the porta potties and people do There you go. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine so. I, I, I definitely need to warm up. I need like 10 minutes at least to warm up. So I did dynamic warm up and jogging around the part of bodies. <laughs> okay. So it is possible. Like it is possible. If you're a person who really feels like, Hey, I got to get my body a little bit, you know, circulation here and warming up, you could do it. Like, you know, there's not like a big open space or anything, but Oops. it can be done where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> Yes. Okay. All right. Excellent. So kind of, all right. So now um, the race starts and this was like super exciting for us. Those of you who are here on the live, um, I'd be interested. How many of you guys were tracking? Were you guys like stalkers uh, tracking? I know coach Whitney and I were like literally exchanging texts, like every couple of minutes. Um, I had about eight or nine people I was following. The app is super cool, by the way. This is my first time using the app. Um, I've done it like on my desktop before and you like see the little person, you know, on the map, but the app was like, I was impressed. It was pretty cool. It was like, literally we could see all the analytics. Uh, we could see paces, projections, like it was pretty cool. Then you could just like swipe, swipe left, uh, to see, you know, a different friend of yours, you know, you get notifications. Like when you start, you get notifications when you hit the halfway mark. Um, so it was like, my phone's going off. I'm like, Oh, cool. Lou's halfway done. Awesome. And then it's, it was like fun. It was like the most fun I've ever had. Like, I love spectating races, but this for like, not actually being at the race, like having that app and getting these notifications was like exciting. You know, or like, oh, what's going on? You know, it, it was pretty exciting. Um, I don't know if everyone felt that way, but I, I loved it. And I just love like being able to track you guys 
and see how you were doing. Um, it was, it was super exciting. So let's get kind of into the race itself. Um, Shauna. Yeah. What are your, what are your reflective? You've had a week now. So at the time of this recording, we are one week after your uh, marathon performance, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've been seeing your post. You've been reflecting a lot. Yeah. How do you think the race went, um, for you in general? Um, overall, I, I had a great race. I started conservatively the first few miles and then I just locked into my pace, the pace that I had when I got my BQ. Um, and I, I, I didn't have a goal going into this. I, I knew I wasn't going to PR. It wasn't a PR course for me. Um, or the weather. I, I know 50 degrees, 55 with sun. I mean, there were no clouds and there's no shade cover on this course. So I knew it was going to be on the warmer side for me. Um, you know, in the back of my mind, I was hoping to get another qualifying time. Um, not necessarily a, P, a BQ, but would have been nice. But I went with how I felt and I also knew I wanted to feel good. I didn't want to be in that pain cave. I didn't want to be sick like I was in Chicago in October. I wanted to enjoy all 26.2 miles as like a victory lap for my qualifying to get there. Um, but that being said, I wanted to run strong. I didn't want to have the horrible race I had in 2016 there. Um, I wanted a decent time, decent finish time. So um, I really, I took it out slow for the first 10K and said, if I feel good, I'll, you know, keep trying to pick it up. Um, and everybody says you have to start slow there because it is a net descent downhill. And even though I had run this two times before, I didn't really remember it. And as I was running, I'm like, yep, this is why I have to, I have to stay slow because I know when I get to those hills, I'm going to need it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I felt really good and I was really on pace for another BQ until almost mile 18. And then, um, the first two hills, I felt good and was able to pick it up again because they're down in between the four Newton Hills. And I was able to pick it up again. And then by the going up the third hill, my quads were on fire, like that downhill running. I mean, and I really thought I trained properly and, and mm -hmm. I did, um, I did a lot of uphill running. I did a lot of downhill running. I did a lot of downhill repeats and, um, but my legs were clearly not <laughs> ready for those, um, that 16 miles of downhill. So yeah, my legs, my quads were killing. And then by the time I peaked, um, heartbreak Hill around mile 21, my calves started cramping so badly, um, to the point, like I had to walk for like 30 seconds until they would loosen up enough so I could run. And so that's pretty much how the last five miles went. Um, my stomach was like starting to get a little unsettled. I knew that was dehydration setting in. Mm -hmm. um, so I try, and I never drink Gatorade during a race ever. And I, I, I was just so nervous about what happened in Chicago. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take little sips at each water, you know, aid station for the next five miles, just to make sure I wasn't going to cramp up and not be able to finish. So at that point it was, I just wanted to finish and I wanted to finish with a smile on my face. I right. didn't want to 
be so miserable. So um, yeah, I ended up having to walk run the last five miles. And um, it was a course PR. It was my best Boston. And that's um, unbelievable, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Out of my 10 marathons, I think it was my third or fourth fastest. So I, I, I really, I, I have nothing bad to say about it other than, yeah, I knew I was trained and I was in PR shape, but that wasn't my intent for Boston. So I, I have to keep, you know, exactly again and saying I had a great race in Boston and I enjoyed every single mile. Like I, I can't be upset about it. Right. And I think that is such a hard thing for us as runners, right? Because, you know, there is a lot of time goals that we set and especially training for this race, you know, you're, you're hitting specific pace goals for workouts, like the workouts that you mentioned. Right. So we, we do get somewhat fixated on the numbers. Um, and I think it is hard to come to that point where you are. And I really felt that like from your posts and everything, and I know it's like genuine, um, kind of what you're talking about is really having that, you know, bigger picture view, right. And just realizing that, Hey, every single time I go out there and run a marathon, I'm not going to PR. And just with everything with the pandemic and the delay and, you know, you just really starting your running journey 11 years ago and being able to qualify for Boston is like a huge accomplishment, right. And to be able to, you know, run this course for your third time, in your fastest that you've ever done it and be able to finish with a smile. Like I've seen those pictures. I saw your race pictures, right? You had a smile and like, just to be able to like take it in and take in the environment. Um, I think it's just great, honestly. And that needs to be celebrated and you need to celebrate that because I think that's so important for you as a runner in your running journey to stop, smell the roses, right? We work so hard. We set up these hard training cycles and if we're always looking at like, what if, what could have been, or the next time I do this, I'm going to run it faster. Then like, we're never appreciating, right? Like the accomplishment, cause you've accomplished like amazing feet. So I love that you're, you're taking that in and cause it's important. It really is. And anyone who's listening to this, if you ran Boston or if you ran any marathon, any half marathon, same thing to you. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up in that and like the next challenge and the next challenge. And for like both of you, I know you guys, well, you're kind of like me. It's kind of like, you want that next challenge. Like it seems like life, right? You should go upstairs and you keep climbing the stairs and you want that next challenge. But, and I'm starting to see this myself is just, you know, taking that moment and, and, and just, enjoying the journey, right? Like we need to enjoy the journey. Cause then yeah. when you look back, you're never going to be like, Oh, I wish I just like trained harder and moved faster and never like took anything in. Right. You're going to be like, Oh, I wish I could have paused that moment for like ever. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. No. Moment. I wanted, I wanted to remember Boston the way I'm remembering it. Like everything about it like the weekend and the morning of the race and during the race and after the race and even a week later like I didn't want to be so upset and miserable <laughs> you know with anything that happened so um 
yeah, sometimes you have to change perspective and um, put the goal somewhere else. You know, I, I knew that I had plans for fall for a PR. So that wasn't my plan here. Yep. So. Yep. Perfect. I love it. Um, and just, you know, thinking about that, I just came back from a weekend um, in Philly, a little uh, weekend getaway from my daughter's volleyball tournament. And this was the first time ever um, that I've literally spent, you know, more than five hours alone. Like we'll, we'll do like date dinners, you know, here and there, but it's like four or five hours. Maybe we do dinner in a movie where I take one of the girls, you know, out, uh, on a little date. And this was a whole weekend. Cause my younger daughter had a volleyball tournament in Providence. So it was like divide and conquer. My wife is with the younger one in Providence. Olivia and I went to Philly and literally spent like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like four straight days, nonstop together. And like the most amazing time, you know, with her and like, just thinking about like all those moments and memories that we had together at the Rocky statue, right. Uh, you know, eating, you know, trying different Philly cheesesteak places and like, just, I just want to like savor that. Right. And then like totally non-running related, but just thinking yeah. like life in general. Right. And like those moments that we're going to remember, like you're going to remember this Boston marathon 2022, um, for years to come. So just being able to like take all of that in and um, really like enjoy it and, and let it sink in a little bit more, you know, um, is great. And yeah, Coach Lou, let's get to your um, race itself. How did your race go? You followed. So for those that don't know, like Coach Lou has shared multiple times on the podcast in his previous episodes is Boston Marathon prep. Um, and then we actually did an episode on pacing for your race. And he's got a whole strategy he shared with us. Many of our athletes have implemented it and have succeeded. So I guess my first question to you is, did you follow your own advice? Did you follow the, the pacing strategy that you believe in? Actually, I did. I nice. Did. All right. So you followed, you practiced what you preached, and you didn't go out too hard in the first three miles. Right. So I guess I'm being a... I'm in shape to PR and the weather is better than last year. So I was pretty confident I'm gonna PR. But I think the thing the thing that I'm a little I'm missing a little bit is the mental because I was enjoying too much. <laughs> I like I wasn't in the you know, if you you can see the, the people in the eyes if they go out for a race, they are going for it. I wasn't. I was just I didn't realize I'm racing until I actually start. So I guess I didn't have that strong will to like PR and do whatever, but I was enjoying it. So, you know, in every race, you start the national anthem and then there are helicopters flying by and then everyone claps. It just, it's just amazing. And then the, the crowd, I was totally enjoying the crowd and people um, have their hand there so you can clap. Especially those little kids, I hear story that some kids they they see that they they may they may become a runner later. So I try to clap whenever I can. Yeah, and totally enjoying the crowd. It's just amazing. It's a whole city's like party. So I was a enjoying big party. It. Yeah, yeah. you're taking it in. You're enjoying that party. Yes, and I was very strict of keeping the first three miles slow like 
20 seconds slower than, I, than my go pace um, for who, who's not familiar with Boston course, the first mile is like really steep downhill. And, and everyone's going out fast. It's really hard to control it. But I know if you go too fast, then you're gonna have problems later <laughs> in the heartbreak heels, especially after the heartbreak heels, because your the quads are just beaten up. So I was very, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very strict in that and everything is on track. Um, the first half downhill, I control the pace. It's actually 20 seconds slower than my last four marathon. So I was very strict. But I guess I there's something I missed a little bit. One is that mentally, I, I wasn't that strong to get a PR. Others that there's this little thing, I, I probably tied my shoelace too tight. So I start to feel it late towards the race. And... I mean, at mile close to mile 20, if you untie it and then do that, maybe it doesn't justify the time to do this. So I just try to bear it and keep going. But but then, yeah, I mean, the heels 17 to 21, the rolling heels, that's also when the wind start to come, get stronger. The uphills combined with wind is not, the best <laughs> combination <laughs> I, I could imagine yeah that's what i heard from a lot of people who ran the race that the hills obviously are, are the toughest part of the course but the wind that they mm -hmm. felt running those hills made it even more challenging mm -hmm. right but i was it was fine it, everything is um is planned i, I track the weather report but the other thing is that because I wasn't that mentally strong. I was taking it a little too easy for the 20, first 20 miles. And the, after the 21 miles, when I do speed up, I did get, I did speed up according to my plan, but it wasn't, I wasn't going for it. And then later I see, oh, I'm not gonna PR. So I, so I slowed down and then start just to finish to enjoy it. However, <laughs> towards the end, when you go back to Boston, the crowd just, Amazing. I was about to just, you know, just go away and have fun, but then the crowd just keep pushing. And so I still pick up my pace and run my fast, fastest mile <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> so I was having fun. I was having fun, but wasn't pushing too hard. Um, I, I probably didn't get my mental ready. <laughs> yeah. But I totally enjoyed it. Well, I must say though, <laughs> from all, all the, the graphs that I saw on like everyone I was tracking on the apps, you're like changing paces for those hills. was like ridiculous. <laughs> you had like these huge spikes. I was like, man, this guy is like running super fast at like mile 25 or, you know, even earlier in the twenties, I was like, wow, this guy has like got some strength at the end of this race. You like, you know, you weren't like packing it in. So you definitely had some in the tank. It looked like, um, from your, from some of your pieces there. Um, but so, you know, in, in reflection, it sounds like, you know, your next time you go out, you felt like the training was there, your fitness was there, just maybe mentally just kind of, yeah. It, if your goal is a PR, just really dialing in the mental side and, and kind of getting in the zone, so to speak, it sounds like. Okay. All right. And then what about post-race, uh, Shauna? What did you feel? How did that all go? Um, 
you know, how did you wind up feeling? Like, I know you mentioned you were getting some cramping, um, were your muscles really painful, like later that evening, the next day, did it feel any different than how you felt after any of your other, uh, you know, marathons that you've run? Yeah. I, my legs were the most sore after this one for sure. Um, wow. my, especially, yeah. And, um, I was thankful that I stayed at my sister's until Tuesday because they're in an apartment with elevators in the building. So I didn't have to deal with the stairs until I got home Tuesday night. So, um, walking upstairs was fine, but going down was not pretty. <laughs> um, yeah, my quad <laughs> killing me and my left calf, um, really it, still a little tight. Um, that was the one that was really cramping badly. And then at the finish line, um, the walk to get your medal. And then after it's just a long walk. And um, when I got my medal um, and leaned over for the volunteer to put it on my head, like, you know, how when you lean over your leg kind of stretches behind you, my calf cramped so badly. It like buckled under me and I fell to the ground and it was horrible. It was the worst oh my pain. Goodness. Um, oh. But before I could even like, I was like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And the volunteer, I don't even know what she said, but before I knew it, there was a wheelchair like in my back. And like, I, <laughs> I was like, what the heck? So yeah, so the medics and the volunteers were amazing in Boston. Um, yeah, they scooped me up and she was like, you're dehydrated, you're salty. I'm going to bring you to the medical tent. Like, I mean, within two seconds, she was rushing me to the medical, but I felt fine. Like, like I said, I felt great the entire race. So like that was frustrating with the cramping because I've never had it happen during a race before. Um, yeah. So she swooped me to the medical tent and had me drinking, you know, electrolytes. And as soon as it loosened up and I could put weight back on my leg, like 15 minutes, I, I walked out and um, yeah, I mean, my, my quads were my biggest complaint for three days after, <laughs> but yeah. other than that, I, felt, I felt good. I didn't, I didn't feel tired. Like, I don't know. I think I was just on such adrenaline for a couple right. of days. Like I, I, I really didn't feel that. I don't know. I mean, you know, like I said, I definitely could have run harder for sure. Um, had the cramping not been an issue because I felt good. So I didn't feel, I, I didn't feel that tired feeling that I think I've felt after some marathons. Yep. Okay. That's right. where, that's where I say my training was there. I was, I was right. ready, you know? So, right. Right. Yeah. And do you, besides the electrolytes, do you do any like salt tabs or anything like that during your, your run? I do. I, I yeah. take salt like every couple of miles. Um, but it, even that wasn't enough because like I said, I started sipping Gatorade at mile 21 because I was kind of like, okay, this isn't cutting it. And mm. something to get these cramps to go away. So, um, and I salt load for like three days before a race. Like I drink noon and like, um, so many different electrolyte things for like three mm -hmm. days up to a race and I use the salt shaker more. Um, I eat pickles. Like I, I yeah, yeah. It. You do um, it all. 
Yeah. I mean, I've had issues with my sodium levels being super low that like the doctor has made me come back to retest. So I do know I've had that issue and need to figure out what to do during um, races with the dehydration issue. Cause I feel like no matter how much salt I'm taking in, I'm not retaining it. Um, right. And, and, you know, yes, it was warm, but it wasn't so warm that I was sweating so much that I was losing it you know mm-hmm. right right so. yeah okay all right and then lou how was your recovery after how was it compared to i guess uh the fall i think uh, i guess i didn't cardio um cardio wise i wasn't pushing that hard but my feet <laughs> my feet hurt because uh, the shoe was tight and i was cramping i was um limping i was limping I didn't cramp, I was limping. But uh, cardio-wise, it's fine. I just feel super hungry. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other thing that I, my mental was, wasn't quite there because uh, after my run, I was, all right, I didn't hit my goal. But then I quickly start, I, I need to check my athletes, <laughs> how they are doing. Yeah. So I, 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 I pull the app and then see, oh, and, People are doing this. Oh, they are approaching the end. So maybe I'll see them. So I was quickly distracted again. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. And uh, yeah, a week later, this. are you back to running? Uh, when did you go for your first run after the race? Four days after. Okay. All right. And then, Sean, I think you posted today, right? Was today your yeah. first run back? So a week it was later. My first run. Okay. Yep. Three miles. <laughs> Um, my leg felt good, but my, that, that calf is like, I still, it almost feels like it's bruised a little bit. Like, I think the cramp, like is still, I don't know. Yeah. You might have some kind of deep trigger points in that calf that need to be Mm -hmm. released. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Okay. Um, all right. And then I guess if you were to share kind of lessons learned, um, either from this race or just a collective body of, you know, multiple Boston's that you guys have done. Um, you know, what would that be, Shauna? Um, probably get your nutrition and fueling down for, you know, I guess for any marathon, but I, I think Boston is such a different course because you need that fueling for that second not even the second half, the last quarter of the race is, um, I mean, people have said Boston really doesn't start until mile 20. I mean, and they say that about marathons in general, but right. it, like that's, that's where it is, you know, coming up off the hills um, in Newton, that's, that's where you need all of it. Um, yeah. I don't... <laughs> all right. So next year I will be sitting like on a corner after the hills with like a huge salt shaker for you. <laughs> I won't be there because 2023, but um, there for 2024. So, all right, there we go. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be there for you cheering you on 2024. <laughs> uh Oh, it's in recording now. <laughs> it is. <That's> my goal. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then um, Lou, any lessons learned for you? I guess mental is very important <laughs> um we even in in a during training like there are some days that 
single digit day and then the feeling feels like minus sub-zero Fahrenheit, not Celsius. <laughs> and I just went out for easy run because you don't know what the what the race day will whether will like be like, right? So you have this mental training that's gonna be helpful. And um, for the, the quads, strength training is a key. So I keep strength training and I my muscles are fine and the eccentric phase especially. So that's uh, yeah, we kind of highlighted that in your Boston episode. Um last time about the eccentric quad strengthening. And I would, I would definitely agree from a physical therapist and coaching standpoint that that would be something to really focus on is that slow lowering um, for whether it's a step down exercise, a single leg squat. Um, we talked strength training last episode um, with our friend Scott. Um, so yeah, I would definitely make sure that those quads are strong <laughs> for those hills. And- All right. Especially for Boston, star slow, star slow. Man, almost like most first-time Boston runners failed because you start too fast. When it's downhill and then the adrenaline is pumping, everyone's going fast. It's just hard to keep slow. It it is it requires a huge self-discipline to start slow. Last year, when it's rolling star, there's not many people pushing you. This time people are pushing you at the same pace it's super hard so i just went to the all the way to the side so let them go let them go and i stay, stay on my own pace yep okay all right and then uh if we can get into kind of our final stretch here of the episode here if you could change one thing about the misconception of training for boston you know what would that be shauna um a lot of people think you need to train on hills, which you do, but you really need to train on the downhill. It's not just the uphill. Um, Cause Boston really is a rolling course. Even though the first 16 miles is a net descent, it's like, and I know people that are listening can't hear, but I'm like with my hand, I mean, it's like this, but as you're going down on a diagonal, you're still doing a lot of the rolling in the diagonal. That makes sense. So um, there are still some climbs even in the first 16 miles. Um, And then the four Newton Hills, I've run this course during training. Um, Granted, I started in Natick, so I was already at like mile 10 of the Boston course. So when I got to the Newton Hills, I'd only run six miles before getting to the hills. Um, I didn't even notice the hills. Like that's how they're they're not big hills. It's the timing. It's, mm. you know, after running downhill and running 16 miles, those four hills are put in the worst spot of a marathon. <laughs> um, and, and you have great recovery in between each hill. There's da- nice downs in between okay. of the hills. But um, yeah, I would say training on a downhill course for Boston is just as important as incorporating uphill training in your cor- in your during training. Okay, great, great tip. Great tip for those that are going to be tackling this course in the future. And what about you, Alu? Actually, very similar along the same line because Boston Special is infamous for the heartbreak hill at mile 21. Yeah, the hill itself is not that bad for people who's living in the city area, but yeah, it's where the location it is. But 
the things that people get quad issues after the heels. And that's that's if you need to train downhill, you want to run slow, you want to keep um, practice the cadence when you, you, you um, speed up the cadence when you go down. And doing those eccentric workouts, those all help. And also because the first half is downhill, if you run too fast, you don't feel it until after the quick heart break here. <laughs> yeah. So that's why, yeah. So Boston, you definitely need pacing strategy. Mm-hmm. You, the, first, the first downhill you control, the last downhill so that in the last downhill you can, you can speed up. Okay. Yeah. So pacing, 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 uh, from what I heard there is, you know, train those downhills in your training and make sure you're getting that leg turnover. So increasing your cadence, right? Your steps per minute, as you're going down your hills, friends, uh, making sure you're not turning the brakes on essentially too much, right. As you're going down, um, those hills. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, uh, guys, for sharing kind of your tips. Um, and um, I'm very excited uh, to actually announce, Shauna, we're going to announce this. We got a little special announcement um, yeah. <laughs> for a little Spark Stiletto Running collab. Uh, do you want to share the announcement that we're going to be having uh, coming out? Uh, yeah. So, Dwayne and I of Spark Healthy Runner are going to collaborate on um, some stiletto running spark um, apparel. Yes. Together and we're going to work on some apparel together. Awesome. So we'll get, we'll get out some merch there, some uh, common sayings that you've heard on this podcast before. Uh, Some, some of our kind of uh, principles that we, uh, foundational principles that we believe in. And, um, you know, Shauna does some amazing apparel. Um, if you haven't checked out her work yet, um, if you just go to stilettorunning.com, um, you can see all of her amazing gear there. I know coach Whitney is a huge fan. She loves the leggings. Uh, she tells me like every time I meet with her <laughs> and then we do our, kind of, uh, you know, we meet uh, like on a weekly basis or every other week kind of talking about projects and things. And she's always mentioning your name and, um, you do have a nice little healthy discount for a healthy runner community of 20% off. If you guys use the promo code healthy runner at checkout, um, that's the little running.com. So you guys get a little discount there and you can check out all of the cool apparel there and then stay tuned for, um, our launch of our future spark, uh, stiletto running apparel as well. Um, so Shauna, where could, uh, most people connect with you? I kind of teased your Instagram before mentioned your website. Um, but if people want to learn more about you and your journey, uh, whether it's running, whether it is your amazing apparel, uh, business, where can they, uh, reach out to you? Um, Instagram, it's the best, best place. Um, all the same handle everywhere, Stiletto Running. Um, also, I have a Facebook page, Stiletto Running. And like you said, the website, stilettorunning.com. You can always email me there. Um, I'm always on my phone. So <laughs> DM on Instagram. Uh, that's always a good way to catch me as well. Yes. So make sure you check that out. And I'll drop all those links in the show notes. And you guys know where you can find Coach Lou. Um, he is one of our admins for our Healthy Runner 
uh, Facebook community, our group. Um, he's one of our coaches in our coaching program, who's doing some amazing work at getting uh, his athletes PRs and feeling stronger and, you know, kind of testing their their uh, fortitude and, you know, what they have in them to hit some, uh, you know, goals that they didn't think they'd be able to accomplish. Um, so you can catch coach Lou there as well as Instagram. We'll have his handles in the uh, show notes as well. Anything else, uh, Lou, that I didn't mention? Yeah, just find me um, on Instagram and uh, my Facebook. Perfect. Excellent. Well, guys, this has been fun. I, this was like such short notice, but I honestly was like a kid in the candy store last week, like tracking you guys and was just so excited about it. Loved seeing all of the posts of everyone who was running it, all the posts from Instagram, people who ran it. And I definitely had some FOMO. Uh, so I wanted to get you guys on the show to kind of get that insider's perspective of, you know, a lot of your journeys might be similar to many people running, um, whether they're similar at this point in time or who knows, in two years, five years, 10 years, right? You guys could be where Shauna is in her running journey or where Lou is in his running journey. So you guys, you know, you never know what is possible. Actually, as I mentioned, I was in Philly this weekend. I got my new mug here. Coach Cat would like this. It's a little rocky mug. And on the back of it, it says, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, right? And that's what we need to do in our running. We're always moving forward. Uh, so I love that quote. So I had to get the mug, get my little green tea in there. Um, so guys, thank you so much again for coming on. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I love that quote. That's a good one. Yes. Yes. And as always, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, whether you're catching this on the Spark Your Training YouTube channel, Healthy Runner Facebook group. If you guys are watching the replay, type in replay. Let me know you caught the video version or if you're listening on the podcast and you're crushing your run right now. Uh, we were hopefully keeping you entertained and not too bored during your long run. And I always appreciate you guys um, for listening to the podcast each and every week. I love seeing the downloads. I love seeing your recommendations, your reviews. If you haven't reviewed, shameless plug, drop a little review. If you've been listening to multiple episodes, you get some value. Um, so other runners can be able to find this content. I greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys as always. Let's stay active. Let's stay healthy. And let's just keep on running until next time. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkyourtraining. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one -on -one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the behind-the-scenes video tour of our coaching program and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling 
with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.